What's going on everybody? This is Lionel. Uh, just wanted to just reach out to everybody. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the power of one. Uh, the power of one. Um, I appreciate Deron with the intro about what men men's ministry is about. The man up call. Uh, before we get into it, just a few announcements. Uh, this year, God laid it on my heart that 2018 was the year of elevation, a year of new beginnings. With new beginnings comes new elevations in our lives. And so we just decree and declare that on everybody that's listening to this call, that new beginnings are heading your way. You'll see new things that you never saw before. Why? Because I hope that so far this year, you have left the old things in 2017 and picking up new things, new new habits, new new ventures, all those things in 2018. Uh, we this is going to be our first podcast that we actually have going live to everybody. Uh, just continue to tune in as we'll have different speakers coming in and speaking about different uh, different topics. And what we're going to do, if you haven't heard us before. Man up men's ministry talks about real things. We talk about real things, things that men deal with each and every day. Uh some stuff you may not hear in a pulpit. So uh continue to listen to us. If you are interested in uh uh in us and want to know more about us, you can uh send an email to man up call ministry at gmail dot com uh, send a request there and I can definitely add you on to our uh, newsletter feed and uh, text message updates uh, as well as that will be the spot that you can send prayer requests through. Uh, tonight uh, we are talking about again the power of one. Uh, the power of one. And so we'll go ahead and get into that. Yeah, tonight's scripture comes from Ephesians 4, 3 through 6. And it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so tonight, again, the power of one, you know, in every situation, there is always that one, the one that sticks out, you know, they get all the attention. They may even get all the ridicule. Uh, there is that person that thinks that there is an actual I in team. Uh, that one coworker that always seems to go above and beyond, or maybe their nose turns a little brown. Uh, you know, that one that is the loudest at church, the one that seems to always give God praise, but looking at him shouldn't have anything to praise about. There's always that one that sticks out. There are so many people that look at the number one as a negative. Uh, you think of people that uh, look at one as being lonely. You think of people that look at one as uh, being uh, uh, sectioned out um, and things like that. But 
uh, that there's more to the uh, number one. Uh, there's an old song that I used to hear my mom play uh, growing up, and it said, one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. <laughs> you know, uh, so you always think of number one as being that case. But tonight we're going to talk about how great the number one can be uh, when used for the kingdom of God. The Greek word for unity in this text is henotis, henotis, and I might be saying that a little incorrect, but henotis, which also means oneness. Uh, the number one in Hebrew is uh, ekad. Uh, which simply means the uh, one. It also can mean unity. In Genesis 2 and 24, uh, it says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. The Bible speaks of the number one in so many ways. Our God is one God. He's unique. He's the He's not the only God, but he's the only living God. One God and three persons. Uh, these, uh, you, have the, uh, you have God, the Father. You have God, the Son, and Jesus Christ, and God, uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, but they are one because they're united uh, with the same purpose. You also have one man, that was Adam, one woman, that was Eve, one snake, that was a deceiver, one fruit that caused the fall, one killer that killed his brother Cain, one faithful man named Job, one faithful woman named Esther, one judge named Samson, one mistake by Samson made him lose his power one king named Saul, and one shepherd boy named David that overcome the king. One night of lust by David caused a murder plot. There was one dreamer named Joseph, and there was one nation named Israel that was considered God's people. One man in the wilderness named John the Baptist who let us know that Jesus Christ was on his way. There was one woman named Mary that would be that Savior's mother. There was one baby, the Savior, and the King in Jesus Christ. As you can see, there are many examples of how great the number one is. It can be great or it can be evil. But the common thing is, it can be powerful. That one that saves your family. Are you that one that can save your family? There are so many people in the Bible that save their family by listening to God and being unique in his eyes, separating themselves from what the rest of the world was doing or how they perceived themselves. Let's start off with Noah. During the time of Noah, the Bible says that the sons of men saw that the daughters of the humans were beautiful and were taking them as their own wives. Noah was able to find favor in God's eyes because he was found righteous and blameless in this time. The Bible says that he walked faithfully with God. When God decided that the world was beyond fixing, he decided to wipe out the earth and save only Noah and his family. God had a plan for Noah and wanted him to be sanctified, to be set apart. God told Noah to build an ark to hold only him and his family and the animals that he instructed him to bring. He was separated from the others while doing the work of the Lord. 
while he was doing the work of the Lord, he was made fun of. We we can uh, only imagine how much he was made fun of, uh, thinking that some water was going to come from the sky. Because be, before this, nobody ever heard of such thing. Water was already in the ocean, in the lakes, in the rivers, but never did it fall from the sky. Sometimes when we are asked by God to do his work, we look like that one person, that one that's weird and just unique. We can be that. We can look like that holy roller <laughs> that some people uh, perceive us as. It can cause us to be lonely, but it can also allow us to save those closest to us because they can see that we are going against the grain. I have been in a place in my life where there are times that I am by myself at work. Why? Because I am the one that does not drink, does not cuss, does not admire other women from afar, but stays close to God. I am that one that posts godly things on Facebook and promotes a conference call ministry that is very unique even to the ministry world. But I believe that this ministry is saving those close to me. I have my brother from another mother, Norris. I have my brother by marriage and spirit, Deron. And I have other people that I care for dearly that get on. We pray together, we grow together, and we get closer to the man that loves us the most. Let's talk about Abraham. What we learned last week is that he is considered the father of our faith. He was called by God to uproot his family by leaving his father's land and move to a place that was unknown to him or anyone else. He was asked to trust God so that he could save and be the father of so many descendants that it would outnumber the stars that are in the sky. Just think of how many people thought he was crazy. Just think of how much his daddy talked about him and just questioned what he was doing. And let's think about Ruth. Ruth was a great uh, was the great grandmother of King David. Ruth lost her husband due to illness and could have easily remarried, but instead she stuck by her mother-in-law's side and traveled with her to her land, not even her own land. But because of Ruth's faithfulness to her family, she becomes so poor that she would she had to gather leftovers from harvesters. Anytime they dropped something from their carts, she was in the field trying to pick it up. She was even so close to being arrested for that, but she received favor from the owner Boaz, who owned the land and allowed her to continue to gather the food, but then soon became pleasurable to his eyes and became his wife. This then begins the lineage to King David and then to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you that one that can save your family? That one that listens to God no matter what. Are you that one that will listen to God no matter the consequences? Let's look at John the Baptist. He stayed out in the wilderness and prepared a way for the Messiah by preaching about repentance and forgiveness and prepared a way for God, for Jesus to save each one of our sins. 
And let's be honest, many people probably came out just to see this man. He was basically a circus freak. He lived in the wilderness. He had a unique diet and a unique look. He was clothed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. These are diets that other people did not do. Even the Pharisees and the uh, Sadducees came to see him. When he did, he challenged their positions and called their sins out by saying, You broad of vipers. He called them out. He challenged and rebuked King Herod for his marital entanglements, which caused him to be in prison. And then sooner or later, it all caught up to him and his head was asked to be on a platter. And then there's Mary, who was a virgin. And in this culture, you did not have virgin. uh, You did not lose your virginity until uh, you were married. The angel uh, Gabriel was sent from God to Mary to let her know she was the chosen, the chosen one. And God had an assignment for her. Mary was first troubled by this visit and she could have easily ran away or just said, no, not me, God, not me. You can pick somebody else, because if anybody knows about this, that I'm pregnant before marrying uh, Joseph, then I am probably going to be killed. I'm going to be stoned. Or I'm going to be cast out. Nah, not for me. But Mary did not do that. Mary first listened to Gabriel, who let her know that her assignment was to be the mother of the son of the most high. Although she questioned the assignment, she still said yes. She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She stood boldly on the promises of God and did not run away in shame. Then there's Joseph. He was supposed to marry, uh, uh, get married to Mary. Uh, he found out that she was pregnant. And he was probably like, man, hey, Jerry, hey, Mari, who's this baby daddy? Because it ain't me. <laughs> you know, I ain't I ain't paying child support or taking care of a baby. You know, he probably was not even financially stable enough to have kids. He was a carpenter and and he didn't you know, he was probably young, having doing a carpenter, marrying a woman was was probably all he could do at that point. But instead, God sent another angel to visit Joseph to put him at ease. Even though God did this, Joseph uh, could have just easily disobeyed. He could have still said no. He could have still turned around. Now, how many times in our lives have we been uh, visited by uh, something or someone that lets us know that this is God's word, this is God's plan, but we still turn around? Joseph takes heed, though, and he married Mary anyway. Are you that one that will accept the assignment, even if it threatens your life or even your lifestyle? That one that can save a nation. Are you that one that can save a nation? Let's look at Philip in uh, the book of Acts. In Acts 8 and 4 through 8, Philip uh, proclaimed that Christ was in Samaria. Uh, 
Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was so much joy in that city. Again, that was Acts 8, 4 through 8. Uh, Philip was able to make changes in Samaria. But while he was having a revival there in Samaria where people were just being healed, delivered, and set free by the name of Jesus Christ, he sought out one Ethiopian. In Acts eight twenty six through 40, and I'm not going to read all of it, but it says, God cares about each one of us that he will send one person to mentor and guide us and give us truth. So during this time, this Ethiopian, this Ethiopian uh, had uh, um, some scribes with him and he could not read the word and uh, he could not read the word that was there because he did not uh, read that language, that Hebrew language. Uh, but what happened was that Philip decided to go his way to let him know how to read by mentoring this man. When he did that, when he did that, this Ethiopian was able to understand and was delivered himself. Now, just imagine what that guy did in when he went back to his land. He was able to share the gospel with someone else. How many of us can do that? How many of us can step away from our busy lives? No matter if you're in ministry, no matter if you're working, no matter if you're just going to the grocery store. How many times can we meet that one person and show them Jesus Christ? There's one gentleman that I met with uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, was a connection through my pastor. He came to give... Uh, our leadership team, excuse me, a word and share some things that God gave him about our church. This man uh, did something that was incredible. He said that he did not know how to read at 40 years old. But when he got saved, he got saved at 40. He could not read the Bible. He said that with some help, uh, somebody helped him find ways to learn how to read. Uh, but the Holy Spirit gave him a desire to learn and helped him learn by reading children's books. He started receiving visions and revelations through those children's books until he could understand the Bible enough. Now he is operating in the office of prophecy. And I'm telling you guys, this prophecy, this pro this prophet here is on point. Uh, I heard him speak some stuff to people that 
had had some pains in different areas of their body and nobody knew except for them. He spoke some things and confirmed some things even in my life and in my wife's life that nobody knew and that nobody knew. And so this man went at 40 years old. I think now he's about 75. So in 35 years, in 35 years, God has just moved on him. And I'm not sure when he started the prophetic movement, but I do know he definitely operates in that. And if he can do it so late in his life, I know each one of us can do the same. And then, of course, there's Jesus Christ. Jesus humbled himself enough to leave his throne in heaven to rescue a sick world infected by the sinful nature of flesh because he cared so much. Jesus grew up as a carpenter and seemed to make a good living. You know, I don't think he was very rich, but he wasn't poor, so poor that he couldn't couldn't feed himself or his his mom and his and his earthly father but jesus knew what he had to do he had to sacrifice his current lifestyle to do what god his father was telling him to do he knew that he had to take on the religious system and tear it down he had to tear down the veil that that was being used inappropriately he went around to different countries teaching, performing miracles, and changing lives so people could believe that God was visiting them on earth and loved them so much that he was ready to give his life for them. Jesus knew that his life had to be given. We have to remember that his life was given and not taken. He knew that he had to take the death keys from hell and raise himself back up with all power in his hands. Jesus knew that he had to visit his followers one more time so that they knew that he had the power to die, to give up his life and raise himself back up again. He even showed them the signs in his hands. He let them know he was truly the, the one. In my conclusion, I just want to ask you guys this. Are you ready to become the one? Are you ready to be the one that sticks out among those that you walk with? Are you ready to be the one that saves your family and those around you? Are you ready to be the one that saves nations and maybe even the next generation or maybe just that one Ethiopian? Are you ready to be that one that does greater works than Jesus while he was on the earth? Now, some of y'all may be looking, uh, looking around like, man, this guy does not know what he's talking about. And this station he's in right now. But the Bible says in John 14, 12 through 14, it says, very truly, I tell you, and this is Jesus. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do greater things than these because I am going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. 
We can be greater because the one greater than us is the one. I'm sorry. Let me say that one more time. We can be greater because the one greater than us is in the heavens and the one connected to him is in us. Say that one more time. We can be greater because the one greater than us is in heaven and the one connected to him is in us. This doesn't mean that we will perform better miracles than Jesus. This just means that we have the ability to spread the gospel to the far parts of the world. And Jesus will help us reach and receive favor in those around us. Then this means that we must work, that we must toil the ground, work harder than ever before so we can reach the, the unbelievers, the unchurched, the wicked, the sick, and bring them before the great one so they can be the next one. Are you ready to be part of the power of one?